Jesus is speaking about a high price that we are required to pay in order to be his disciples. It's challenging us to think about it and to think about it carefully. So let's try to understand what he says today, which we have to recognize is pretty challenging. He's speaking of hating brother, sisters, mother, father. Today we have uh, the visit of the family of one of our men, one of our seminarians, Andres. So his father, mother, brother and sisters are here. Can you believe that? So welcome to this Mass. But at the same time, when I was re reading the Gospel, I was saying, you're kidding me, I have to preach all this. <laughs> so the Lord says, if you want to be my disciple. So that is the benefit, the good, being his disciple. And then he says, these are the four bullet points. Hate your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Hate your own life as well. Carry your own cross and renounce all your possessions. And then he adds, think about it carefully. And he gives these two examples of a king that counts his troops before engaging into battle and a constructor that double checks his budget. As if we were saying, I don't want to talk you into this or even convince you. I'm appealing to your freedom. Think about it carefully. So let's try to unpack this. First of all, he says hate. He uses the word hate. And it is a very negative word, for sure. You know, when I confess, I usually ask, do you hate anyone? And most of the time people say, no, I don't hate anyone. I might hold grudges or resentment, but hating is a strong word. And it's a strong word for Jesus himself. We read in the Gospel, for example, in Matthew, when he says, But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says, you fool, be liable to the fiery Jehina. So, not even hating is bad, but also, you know, being angry and all that. And in John's first letter, he says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer that has eternal life remaining in him. And also in John chapter 4, If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. So, he's using this word in this occasion, hate, in a figurative way. So he wants to make a point clear. Of course, we know that Jesus does not contradict himself, and he's always teaching about forgiveness, serving, loving your neighbors. So we need to understand this word that Jesus is using now in the context of all his teachings. And he's making an important claim, I think. He's saying, I am first. I am first. Just like we have one first commandment to love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our will will dollar energy he is a god made flesh so to love him first loving the lord following him being faithful to his teachings saint benedict would summarize this teaching of jesus saying to prefer nothing to the love of christ nothing to the love of christ he's first so we are for jesus even if 
that means sometimes to be against others. Even if that is the consequence that we hope not, have, not having to face. You know, he, he knew he was speaking to, to, to Jews that would, would eventually have to face opposition if they became Christians. Strong opposition, often, from their own family, from their own friends, from their own community. And later, even pagans that would convert, become Christian, would have to face opposition as well. We know that, you know, we, we know the history of the, you know, the early church and all the persecutions and martyrs, that, all the opposition that they had to face. So Jesus was somehow warning them as he was inviting them to be his disciples. If you want to be my disciple, this might be the cost. And you have to be ready for it. You might have to be against all these people that you love, because I'm first. I think that for centuries this word of the Lord remained somehow like in the shadow. Because the culture became Christian and it was not so common to face opposition because we are Christians, because we're following the Lord, at least in the West. But nowadays it's becoming relevant again, sad to say. Let me give you some examples that I know, but I'm sure you, can, you could come out with your own examples. I knew of a young high school um, student who, when he became Christian, he had to pray in the bathroom in his own house because you know, his parents would not allow him to pray. They were scared. And of course they loved him, but they would not, they would not know how to react to this young man's faith. And so he would, he would have to, you know, to hide from them. I know of a young woman, a freshman in, in college, that had to confront her mother who wanted her to take contraceptive pills as she was moving, moving to college. And of course she wanted to protect this young woman, she wanted to prevent her from being pregnant, but she had to confront her. She says, no mom, this is, I mean, I have a different mindset and, and I'm not taking this pills just because I'm moving to college. And so this tension was created among the two of them. Her mother could not really understand her. Well, you're young, you have to go through this, you know. It's sad to hear, because I, I get to hear the students. So I get to hear the, the advice of, of their own parents. And it's sad to, to know that. I know of a woman who received relatives in, 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 in the weekend at her house and had to face many people, many of them opposing her because she wanted to go to Mass and leave them for a couple of hours. I know of a young couple that they have four kids and they have to face this frowning when they go to Walmart, for example. People think that they are polluting the ecosystem or whatever with four kids. No. And I've seen this especially, you know, with, with priestly and religious life. Uh, it's very common that, you know, young people who are, feel the call have to face a lot of opposition from their own families. They don't understand it, they, don't, they resist it, they contradict it, and this tension is uh, created among them. So, it might be the case that we have to put Christ first, as painful as that could be. I recently read, read in a in a magazine that 
this, this pro-life organization, Life Action, has been banned from Pinterest and Twitter and for violating hate speech. But the words that they were, that the algorithm was searching was, for as sensitive terms, was, for example, Bible verse. Isn't that crazy? So we are coming to a situation when, you know, this could happen again. We might have to face opposition in the midst of the people that we love, in the midst of our class, class you know, classmates and friends, and big family or even small family. We don't want that to happen, of course. We want to get along well with others. We want to love others and to be loved and to live in peace. When we read, for example, the, you know, the letter of St. Peter, he says, try to live in peace with everyone as far as you can. But sometimes that is not possible. And Jesus comes first. And today Jesus is saying, you know, if you're not willing to do this, you cannot be my disciple. To be my disciple, you need to be ready to put me first, if that is the case. So that is the first bullet point, first aspect of the price that we have to pay. But then he says, then hate yourself. Pick up your cross. This is very counterintuitive. But it's also very true, very, very true. Because to actually love ourselves better, we don't need to love ourselves more, but less. In the sense of loving God more <laughs> and loving others more. And it's uh, difficult to understand. That's why we need, we need wisdom. The first reading was about wisdom, to understand it. The wisdom that comes from on high. But it is true, the, the, the more we forget about ourselves, the happier we are, the less we are self-centered, centered, the less, the, the more we are, you know, mission-centered, purpose-driven, the more fulfilled we are. Jesus is saying, forget about yourself, lose your life, get ready to suffer if you're going to be my disciple. You think that you are going to suffer less for being a Christian? No, you're going to suffer more. Not less. At least at one level. At a deeper level, you will be happier. You have this peace, this joy. But at a superficial level, you might have to suffer more. But if you embrace that suffering, you will discover what it means to be my disciple. I know of a person that was dealing with depression and went to speak with the priest. And the priest advised her to uh, visit the sick people in the parish, the homebound, to carry the Eucharist. I, and by doing that, this person overcame her own depression. By, by serving others, instead of, you know, having pity of herself and sitting down thinking how miserable her life was, she started visiting the homebound. And that helped her a lot. She forgot about herself and she put, to serve, she put herself to the service of others. Then he says, renounce all your possessions. You want to be kingdom-centered, mission-centered. So give up all you have. And that, of course, he, he knows, he speaks very clearly about that, for example, in the Sermon of the Mount. He knows that we need stuff to live. But he's saying, give it to me, offer it up to me, give it to me and see if what you have is really what you need. 
you know, this image came to me as I was preparing of, a, of an airport scan, you know, so you, you go to the airport and you have to give up all your possessions and you put them in the scan scanner and then you recuperate most of them, don't you? Sometimes they keep something, you know, this water bottle, this whatever, has to stay. Hmm? So with the Lord, it's pretty much the same. He scans what we have, if we allow him, of course. And then he gives us back all our possessions, but in a different way, with, with more freedom. Sometimes he keeps some of them that we might not need so much. So he does prune, but so we can bear more fruit. So the Lord is saying, give, give me all your possessions. And he doesn't mean only money. Of course, it's included, but you know, your degrees, your honor, your possibilities, your career, your, your place in life, your, your relations, your, give that all to me. I will scan it and will give it back to you. And then you will be a real disciple because you, you have that freedom to handle all those for the kingdom of God. Okay, what is the benefit if we do all this? We, we know Jesus says in the gospel, 100% of benefit. You give one, I will give you 100. New life, new purpose, new meaning, new joy, new hope, new peace, new friendships, and life eternal. So it's worth it. Is it worth it to pay this price? Of course it's worth it. One minute of God's consolation, one minute of his consolation is worth more than 10 hours of what this world can offer. And whoever experienced the consolation of God knows. If you experience the consolation of God, even if it, for a couple of seconds, the joy that comes to you when you realize that he's real, that he loves you, that, he, that you have a purpose, when, you, when that clicks in your mind and in your heart, when heaven becomes real, when the invisible world becomes real, when the Eucharist becomes real, when you know that your sins are forgiven, that you're being fed with the bread of life, when you know that all that is real, when you feel the presence of the Lord walking with you, only if it's, if it's only for a couple of seconds, it's worth more than all the earthly goods. But today he's not focusing on the benefits. Today it's all the cost, not about the benefits. This is the gospel. So he's saying, if you want to follow me, great, but think about the cost. Why does he do that? Well, he's appealing to our freedom. He wants us to, as I said at the beginning, to think about it. He doesn't want just us to just you know, follow, go through the motions. He wants to, us to, to love him with our with our own decision. And in this gospel, I think he pretends that he does not care. You know, think about it, kind of laid back. Think about it, and if you are willing to pay the cost, you can follow me. But I think he cares a lot. He's a good shepherd. He's laying down his own life so that we could be his disciples. And he wants to escort us into the bosom of the Trinity so that we can live as children of God He's paying with, with the cost of his own blood. But he is really careful that we walk after him out of our own free will. It's the only way to do it. He treats us with dignity. 
doesn't cheat us or talk us into that. So I want to finish by just echoing his own words. Are you willing to pay this cost? Are you willing to say to the Lord, yes, Lord, sure, forever. I, I want to be your disciple, of course, and, and, and I want to put you first. And you can have all my possessions and all my, you know, all my, all, everything that I really um, value in life, it's yours. You gave it to me, I give it back to you. I want to be your disciple. I want to keep that through your scan and I'm willing to receive whatever you think is good for me. If you're ready to do that, then you should do it now in the offertory, in the Mass. You should spiritually you know, put yourself there. And maybe if you're not ready, because you're calculating the cost, well, maybe you can say, no, I'm not really ready to do that yet. I'm, I'm, I'm a good Catholic. I'm sitting there. I came to Mass. I believe. And I don't know if I'm ready to pay that cost yet. I think that's an honest answer. But you can say, Lord, but warm me up to the idea. I want to be ready. Even if I'm not ready now, I want to be ready. If you give me your Holy Spirit, if you, you, know, if you stay faithful to me, I, I will try to stay faithful to you. And I'm sure I, I'll come to a place where I can surrender. And once you surrender, then you become his disciple. There's no other way.